for the last few years, I've been trying to get the message across that uh, working with the Lord is not a stress or a strain. It is, it is joyful. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. Amen. When you really embrace it, it's like, it's like being a kid in a candy store. I mean, you know, you just, you're just so excited about it because you, you know that uh, God uh, is using you and God is, is he's going to minister to people and speak to people. And when you see that happen, it, uh, it's very uh, exciting. Amen. For years, for years, I approached ministry like a stress, and uh, I preached like it was stressful. <laughs> very, very, uh, very hard, very stressful. It's just, you know, and um, I, I don't know where I got that, why I got that, but uh, that's the way it was. But then the Lord just uh, began to uh, reveal to me, and and uh, I, I began to realize that, man, this is a this is a blast. This is the best time we can have, and. Uh, when you're doing what you enjoy doing, what God's called you to do, what he's put inside of you, and you let that start manifesting in you, then uh, it, it's a, there's a flow. There's just this flow that begins to take place. Amen. I, I like uh, watching our worship team. When they're flowing in what they love to do and what they've been called to do, they, they got this permanent smile on their face because it's, 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 uh, that's what... Uh, makes them flow. They're they're flowing in it. It's it's exciting. It's fun, and so whatever whatever your call is, there are people that are called to be to the helps ministry, and uh, there most people that are called to helps ministry resist it because it doesn't seem like it's um, you know anything important, and uh, it's behind the scenes and stuff. But when you accept what God's put inside of you and you start doing that and that flow begins to take place, that's when you begin to realize, hey, this, this is great. You know, I enjoy this. I enjoy doing this. And uh, so thank God for his gifts and his callings and, and uh, that we can enjoy this. Hey, I just, I just want to, uh, you know, anybody here and anybody listen to me, I, ju I just want to say one thing. Calm down. <laughs> Goodness. People are so uptight about stuff. I mean, I mean, are we are we standing in the tabernacle saying, God, we're yours? Or are we out there saying, God, I don't know where you're at. Can you not see what's going on? We got to make up our mind who we believe and, and what we're going to stand on. You know, I do not need a prophetic word every day to encourage me that God's doing something. I love prophecy. I love prophetic words. I, I, I operate in that. But I don't need that to make me feel like everything's okay. All I need is one word. And that one word can take me through the rest of my life if I'll embrace it. Amen. Praise God. I'm not against prophetic word. Don't take it out of context. But what I've seen lately is it's almost like the body of Christ needs a daily dose of something to make us feel like it's, everything's okay. I'll tell you what, the daily dose is just getting in the presence of God and realizing, hey, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. You know? Praise God. There, there's a lot of things that are against us. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of threats. You know, some, some of them was talking the other day about, you know, protecting yourself and all that kind of stuff. And, and I said, you know, I guess I would do that, but I'm one of the guys that they're going to arrest first because, you know, I, the, the, the people that are out front and influencers and, and stuff. So I said, I, you know, th that's just the way it is. But, but, hey, we're just who God called us to be. 
Amen. And we're going to do what God called us to do. Amen. Praise God. So, uh, so just uh, stop getting so fizzed up. <laughs> is, that, is that a good term? <laughs> fizzed up. <laughs> oh, my. Some of y'all like, like Alka-Seltzer are being dropped in water. Everything that happened, just... Amen. We've, uh, I'm going to uh, move into uh, some, some different, uh, I've been looking at something for a long time and trying to get my mind around it because I knew there was something there and the Holy Spirit has been bringing it to me. And uh, we're going to pull the trigger on that today and, and just get started into this. And I know God's got some really, really good stuff for us uh, that we can, that we can, uh, get our minds wrapped around. I want to read a little statement that uh, the Lord gave me the other night. It just came out of, uh, it was late at night, and uh, pretty much the only thing I had on my mind was uh, just going to bed. And uh, all of a sudden, these words started coming into my mind, and um, and it, it but it, there was, it was only a piece. I don't like just a piece. I like answers, you know. And uh, right now, the Lord is, is, is stirring up more questions in me than answers. And this is what come into my spirit late at night. Just all of a sudden, I, I wrote it down. And then when it stopped, it's like, <sighs> where's the rest of it? And this is it. And it's, it's in a poetic God, the year 2000, God began to give me everything in, in, in poems, and, and I am not, look at me, I don't look like a poetic person. And uh, God began to give that to me, and, and uh, that left for a long time. I didn't do that for a long time, but the last couple of weeks, it has just been coming back. But anyway, this, this, I need to quit putting disclaimers on it and just say it. There is a truth yet to be revealed Transcendent knowledge from our minds concealed. Deep calling to deep, the spirit searches all. A simple understanding that was covered by the fall. When the Holy Spirit spoke that to me, I began to realize that there are yet things that has not been revealed, truths that have not been revealed. And it just really started making me hungry to be able to hear from God. I'm not talking about some new way of, of um, belief or whatever. I'm talking about there are, there are things about Jesus, things about God that we do not yet understand. All these years later, we have, we have not been able to get over into the real glory and the brightness of God. And I believe that, that God's bringing us to that. But what this word says is that there are truths that have been concealed from our minds that have not been revealed yet. But if Holy Spirit's telling me that, then he's obviously saying, I'm getting ready to release some stuff. And you need to have your ears open. You need to be listening. Amen. Beyond the noise in our own heads. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We, um, 
I want to I want to start talking about light today. I've been I've been looking at light. Light just amazes me anymore. And uh, I begin to I begin to study. I work with light all the time. I work with electricity. I'm I'm always you know doing lighting and stuff like that on the, the marinas that I work with. And I and and for several years I've been trying to get the maximum amount of light out of fewer and fewer lights. You know to to cover these big docks and light them up at night. And uh, we used to we used to just have all a bunch of lights on those docks, and there are a lot of them that I've went I've I've got it down now to where instead of having um, ten to twelve lights on that thing, we I've, I've got it down to five and lighting up the whole dock, and uh, and it's not as offensive. It's not you know it's it's better. When you look at light, a lot of us just take it for granted. You know, well the lights on, I can see. Light, without, without the eye, light is, is useless. It doesn't matter. But God gave us the ability to perceive light through our eyes. And when you study how all that takes, the millions and millions of, of, of uh, nerve endings and, and how it comes into your eye and it, it comes in upside down. When looking at you guys coming into my eye, you're upside down. And then when it comes into my brain, my brain flips it. And so I can see you like you are, like you're sitting. I hope that's the way you are. I'm... But our perception is a gift from God. Being able to see light is a gift from God. Now, without the eye, light would be useless. There would be no, no reason for it. And, but when you look at light, you know, we got lights on here, and I can see them glowing up there, and I can see it reflecting down here. I can see it reflecting off my shirt. And, and yet, where is it? Somebody point to me and show me where it's at. How does it get from there to here? It's not illuminating the air. It's not shining anywhere, but it has to have something to reflect off of. Photons from the sun has been traveling to the earth for millions of years in a wave form, and, but you can't see them until they get to the earth. Millions of miles, well, light years away, the sun is shining and those photons are traveling to the earth in wave form, but you can't see them because out in space there's darkness. You don't see any light out there. And yet when it, when it gets to the earth, all of a sudden the earth is illuminated. But where is it? Where is it between the sun and the earth? How do you find it? And yet it exists when it, come, when, it, when it comes against something that makes it manifest. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're going to start into, into a series of messages, hopefully, on, on uh, light, life, and glory. And we're going, to, we're going to begin to realize what God has for us we uh, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. And in, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, there are, there are so many things on light in the Bible, so I just have to kind of pick some things to, to get started on. Use as a springboard here. And um, in verse 12, it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. 
He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Now, he has given us power or ability to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Light is, is used in the word of God. God is referred to as light. Our body is full of light. Our hearts produce light. Whenever our, our hearts actually produce these little, these little, uh, yes, I'm going to say it. I asked yesterday if, 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 uh, if I was going to be using uh, terms like quantum and stuff like that. Yes, I will. But our hearts, our hearts release these little uh, things they call quantum packages of intelligence that is full of light. And from our heart, it's released into our body and it floods our body with light. All of us glow. You just gotta have the right scope or the right tools to see it, but every one of you glow. Those, uh, what do they call them, Dave? Those uh, picks up heat, infrared, these infrared scopes, you can see anything that is alive because anything that is alive is producing energy which manifests in light. So all of us are producing light. What do we say when, when somebody gets happy? Say, well, you just lit up. Well, it's because they did. They just lit up. Their faces light up. And I love to see it when people light up with revelation and with truth. And, and you can see it. It's a manifestation. Our bodies, when our bodies are dark, it's not a good thing. Matter of fact, the best way to explain uh, death is that the light goes out. You no longer produce light in your body. And you're gone. Over the years, having to go through this process over and over and over with so many people, watching, watching people leave this earth. One minute their heart's beating, they're alive, and all of a sudden, they're no longer there. And that body just becomes still and cold. Now, whatever it was that went wrong, the rest of their body is still able to function. If, if, their heart, if they had a heart problem where their heart quit beating, that's only one piece of your body, but that one piece stops working and all of a sudden the light goes out in the rest of your body. You become dark. And when the rest, there's been times I've stood there after somebody has passed, I've stood there looking at them thinking, 99.9% .9 of them can still live and yet they're no longer alive. It's a strange thing. It's hard to understand, but it has to do with light. When, when, you're, when, when you're under stress and frustration, anger, stress, and frustration, when you're in a mentality of anger, stress, and frustration, the DNA, every little DNA strand in your body, which there are billions of them, every little DNA strand in your body actually shrivels up 
and many of the bars in your DNA shut off. They no longer are lit up. They shut down. And so you go into what mechanics call limp mode. When your car is, is experiencing problems and something in your car stops working, it is engineered to go into what is called limp mode. It'll still idle, and you can put it in gear and, and move real slow, but it takes away the acceleration. You can no longer accelerate, and you can no longer make the car move because it's a safety that kicks in and, and causes you to not be able to accelerate to keep from damaging something. And when you are under stress, anger, and frustration, your body starts going into limp mode. Your DNA shrivels up. And many of the strands of your DNA turn off. They're no longer lit up. In other words, you're no longer who you were made to be. You're not functioning to the point that you were created to function. But in an atmosphere of love and appreciation... In an atmosphere of just thankfulness, your DNA literally stretches out and lights up. Every DNA strand in your body stretches out, stretches back out, relaxes, and lights up, and all of a sudden, you are who you were supposed to be all along because now you are lit up. The light of the life of God is now moving through your body. See, cancer cells has very few photons in them. They're dark cells. A healthy cell is just a wash with photons, photonic energy, lit up, functioning. But cancer cells are very dark. They have very little light in them, which makes me wonder if we don't just need to start running lights through our bodies. I mean, you know, let's light this thing up. Drive out the darkness because that's what cancer is. Cancer is a part of your body that has gone dark. And when that darkness keeps spreading, it starts shutting down other parts of your body and turning you dark. In other words, it's shutting off the life and the light inside of you. The Word of God says that he has, we, he has given us, he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And he has delivered us from the power of of darkness. Now I want us I want us to we're just going to scratch the surface on this today. In Genesis chapter 1. Everybody turn with me to Genesis chapter. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of man. Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, now I want you to notice what the very first act of creation was. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, the very first act of God was to create light. But at that point, light was useless because there was no one or no ability to perceive the light. <clears throat> and then God created Adam just out of dirt. Amen. Just creators out of dirt. To this day, you still have all the elements of clay inside of you. That's why we have to take minerals, because we're made from dirt. Anybody that says otherwise doesn't understand what, what we're made of. I mean, you know, the atheist, it takes a lot of faith to believe that dirt just all of a sudden started living. Doug and Damon blew some stuff up yesterday. It was a big bang. I didn't see nothing come out of it. It just faded away. There was no, there, there was, you know, little, little uh, cells didn't start running around saying, woohoo, we've been created. We, we're, we're alive. I think they call it tannerite or something like that. They shot a pound of tannerite yesterday, and we was a long ways from it, and, and it hit. I mean, you felt a concussion from it. A bunch of rednecks. <laughs> but light, when, when, when light was made, it was still of no value on the earth because there was nothing that needed the light or come from the light until God created the grass and the trees and he created all the grass and the trees to filter and receive light and make it grow. The sun is what makes it all grow. Every living thing has the ability to receive light and live. Without light, it stops living. Amen. That's why if you have house plants, you have to, most of them you have to sit where they can get some light to be healthy. Amen. And, or they die. You know, any, anytime we bring a, a plant into the house, I just... Because <laughs> it... Uh, it just got a death sentence. It's gone. Because we just don't remember to move them around and, you know, dump water on them and all that kind of stuff. Now, our, and, and, and then our, our grandkids, you know, they, they love to play in dirt. So next thing you know, the dirt that was supposed to be in the pot is now out on the floor, you know, and stuff like that. 
but God made everything. When you, when you look at the leaf on a tree, it's got arteries in it just like our body has, just like our lungs. Our lungs, when you take, when you take an x-ray of the lungs and an x-ray of a leaf and put them side by side, they look identical. Because God made everything to absorb light and to receive oxygen, and that's how it lives. And, and it processes that. Trees and grass receive the photonic energy from the sun, and it makes them stretch out and grow. I, I often say that after a rain in the summertime, you can almost hear the grass growing when the sun comes out. I mean, you know, you, it, it just starts... You're going to have to mow <laughs> because it's going to grow. We, we have to, we, we, in, the, in the kingdom of God, we've got to realize that everything is about the light. We are sons of light. We, we live in the kingdom of light. And so often we don't, we don't keep going after the light of God. You know, God gave me a, a word for a, a church I was going to be preaching at. And again, it was it was a poem. I, everything used to be poems. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know where that. You know, Holy Spirit just that He likes it, I guess. But I was getting ready to go, and I was I was studying, and and this is what this is how God gave me a message for that church. In the cold gray ashes of yesterday's fire, we searched for an ember to warm our desire, with hearts full of longing and thoughts of what was. We remember the excitement, the joy, and even the applause. But how can we hope to find God's new advances while digging around in yesterday's ashes? So often in the body of Christ, we're always trying to recover something. We're always digging around in the ashes of something that used to be a fire, used to be exciting. But I got to tell you something, we need to sweep the ashes up, dump them out, get in the prayer room, and start absorbing light from heaven and saying, God, shine on me. Shine on me. I want to receive the light of your power. So the first act of creation was to create light and disperse it. And then he created Adam, and when he created Adam and breathed life into him, Adam opened his eyes and immediately perceived light. Light came into his body through his eyes, and he was able to perceive light. I want you to go with me to the book of John. We're going somewhere here. Just hang on with me. Book of John chapter 1. Verse 1. Now, this used to be a song that the, the early church sang. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. Amen. 
There's different interpretations of that. One is, is that the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness had no power against the light. And we see that today. Darkness has no power against the light. Darkness cannot overcome light because darkness is not energy and power. But light is energy and power. In order to have light, you have to have a power source creating the light. To have darkness, there needs to be no power source. It's just an empty void. But light has energy and power behind it. And when light comes on, it has the force to overcome that which is void and empty. Darkness has no power over light. When light comes on, light is backed by power. Darkness is backed by nothing. I'm trying to slow myself down because usually I just blow up like gasoline. But, uh, we, we, need to, we need to get our minds wrapped around this. That when, Tom, when Thomas Edison created a light bulb, he failed 999 times of finding an element that would actually work in a light bulb. And he finally found that tungsten steel, strands of tungsten steel, when, when put between a positive and a neutral or a ground in electric, with electricity would begin to glow. And that tungsten steel would last longer than anything else. And so it would glow. There is a light in New York at an old fire station that has been shining uh, for over 100 years, I believe it is. It's never been turned off and is still glowing. Matter of fact, you can go online and, and find a, a cam they got a camera on it. You can see the light that has been, the bulb that has been shining for all these years. And the reason that that is shining is because there is power flowing through that or to that. It is a resistor type heat. And whenever the, the positive on one side and the negative on the other side meets in that tungsten steel, then that tungsten steel begins to glow and it begins to radiate energy. And that energy is perceived by our eyes as light. Without our eyes, it wouldn't matter if it was glowing. Now, heat would matter, but the light wouldn't matter. But our eyes are able to perceive the light. We're able to see the light. If you look up, don't look up too long. If I look up into these lights, but they are very bright. When I look up into these, I see the source of light. And yet I don't see the source that creates the light. Because there is, there is wiring concealed in this building that electricity is flowing through that goes back out and connects to the ground and because it connects to the ground it completes the circuit because electricity is always searching for ground it's always trying to go back to earth <laughs> yeah. 
And if you get a hold of I read something, some, some dummy put on Facebook that I inside I secretly want to touch an electric fence. Do it. <laughs> Fulfill your desire. You will understand electricity in a short amount of time. Because most of it, it's got a lot of voltage, but it doesn't have a lot of amperage. So the voltage is the flow of electricity. Amperage is the power behind the electricity, the force. And so it's got a lot of voltage. Amperage is what will really tear you up. Unless it's real high voltage, voltage will burn you. Amperage will blow you up. Amen. You can get a hold of a lot of amperage and it'll burn you. But if there are voltage, but if there's amperage behind that, pressure behind that, it won't just burn your hand, it'll blow your hand off. I mean, it'll blow your arm off. It just, it's just gone. All of a sudden, your arm's gone. All you smell is barbecue. You know, it's just, it's like, what, what happened? I'm hungry. Where's my, where's my arm? You know, voltage. And so this building has wiring in it that transfers electricity up to these lights. The power goes into the lights, and then there's another wire that goes all the way back out and connects to the ground. And it circles, or the neutral, and it circles all the way back to the power station. And then we have a ground, drove in the ground out here, and that's what makes everything work because it causes it to illuminate. I talked a little bit about this last Sunday, that, that God is like electricity, or what last week before. God is like electricity, and his presence is like electricity. His glory, oh, I got, I'm, I'm jumping way ahead, but his glory is always searching for something to connect with. And when it finds something to connect with, all of a sudden, that which it connects with starts glowing. Woo! That's weeks in advance. We got to get off that. We got to get back here. We're, we're starting. When, when we... When we understand the glow, when we understand light and the light of God, we, we can see the light. But look with me in the book of Acts. Well, let's, let's go to, let's not leave John yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. John chapter 1, verse 6. Another really good thing. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Every person born is a recipient, the light of God is shining on every individual. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were all dead in the trespasses of our sins. When your eye is dead, the light doesn't do you any good. 
But what happens when you get born again? All of a sudden, your eye starts working, and now you can perceive that there is light. I've had people tell me after they, they gave their life to God, they said, man, after I, after I left the church, the trees were greener, the sky was bluer. It just, it's like everything was brighter. What happened? They begin to be able to perceive light. But that is just a starting point. John came as a witness to the light. He went around saying, there's the light. Look at the light. John, John wasn't saying, I am the light. He's not saying, I have the light. He just, he just went around saying, hey, look, there's the light. It's like if I come in and preach, and, and I, I, I would constantly say, guys, look up, there's the light. And we all say, ooh, there's the light. You know, it's like, it's like moss flying toward the blue light. Don't look at the light. We get the ability to say, wow, there's light. It's like uh, Hank Williams. One of his famous songs was a song that he saw the light. He saw the light. But you got to do more than see the light. Because just seeing the light didn't do Hank Williams a whole lot of good. He saw the light. He recognized that there was light. He recognized that Jesus could help him. He recognized that there was power, but you got to go beyond just recognizing the light. If there's one thing the body of Christ needs to do today is to stop saying, here's the light, and start saying, this is what the light is revealing. Light is great, but light only has one purpose, and that is to reveal what exists in the room. And we've got to just stop looking and saying, I want to see the light of God, and we've got to start saying, I want to see what the light is revealing. Go with me to the book of Acts. Chapter 9. This might seem simplistic, but sometimes we, we need simplistic. The word God gave me was it was a simple truth that's that's evaded us. We haven't been able to grab it. This is when when uh, Saul saw the light in um, verse 3. It says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now look, he saw the light, he was in the light, and his response was, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the, against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, Paul saw the light. He was surrounded by the light, but he did not perceive what was in the light. He didn't perceive the source of the light. He didn't know where the light was coming from. He said, where are you? Who are you? I don't know you. But he had experienced light from God. He, he was touched by God. He felt God. He saw the light of God, but he was yet to be changed. I have a feeling that we have so many people in America that have felt God, seen the light of God, but have never experienced the source of the light. We've got to go beyond just saying, I know that Jesus is real, to saying, I know he's with me, and I know what my inheritance is. See, we are not just people of the light. We are people of the inheritance of the saints in the light. There's more here than just an experience with the light. Amen. I used to pray, God, I want to see your glory. And then I began to realize in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse 17, it says that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, in the knowledge of him, would enlighten the eyes of understanding. Enlighten the eyes of understanding. In other words, give my eyes the ability to perceive light. that I might know what is the hope of my calling or of his calling. Amen. See, it's not, it's not mine, it's his. His is a whole bunch bigger than mine. I want to I know what his is. The hope of his calling. And then this is the part that really got me. And that I might know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Amen. We can't stop with the preceding verse where the eyes of understanding are just enlightened. We got to go on into the room. We can't just stand outside saying, isn't that room beautiful lit up like that? We're looking in the windows and we're saying, oh, I love the light. We, are, we have Thomas Kincaid experiences with God. You look at Thomas Kincaid's paintings, and they're beautiful because he reveals the light coming out of windows and, and lights and stuff like that. But all we see is the light emanating from the window. We can't just have Thomas Kincaid experiences with God. We've got to have experiences where we go up and open the door and find out what's in the house. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We, we stand outside and admire the light and we say, I wish I could receive that light. 
I wish I could receive healing in my body. I wish I could receive the things I need from God. I wish I had that. I wish I could be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wish I could receive the glory of God. And we're standing outside admiring the light emanating from the house. But we ain't going to get the inheritance until we go in and sit down at the table. I'm, I'm having a hard time controlling myself this morning because I, I'm getting this. When we, I don't want to just talk about how pretty the light is. I want to look at what the light's shining on. Because when the light, the light is useless unless it has something to reflect off of. And when we get in the presence of God and we begin to look into the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, all of a sudden we begin to see what the light is reflecting off of, and that belongs to me. That's my inheritance. I receive that. Oh, yeah, I want that. I, that's what God has given me. Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, was blind. I think that's where that band in the early 70s got their song, Blinded by the Light, you know. Some of y'all don't know that song. That's how old I am. That was when I was a teenager. <laughs> When I hear people talking about back, way back in the early 90s, it's like, what? We, you know, back in, the, back in the dark ages in the 70s. Uh, I, li I lived during that time. It, it's not that far back to me. It, you know, it was just yesterday. Amen. It was just yesterday, but time's marching on. Amen. I, I helped a guy pick up his motorcycle the other day. He had, he, I know he, he was in his 80s, his, at least 85, out riding, riding a motorcycle. Had a brand new Harley. I, I was proud of him. He, I mean, he, bought a, he had a brand new Harley at, at, in his 80s. I mean, this guy don't quit. He wasn't going to give up and quit. I like that. I mean, that's my kind of man, you know. And, but he pulled off the road. I just had to be riding mine. Because Thursday, it was a real nice day, and I was at work, and I was working, and uh, about 11.30, I stood up and looked around. I seen how pretty it was, how nice it was, and all of a sudden, my tools packed themselves up, and, and, and my truck drove home, and my Harley came out of the house and took off riding. That's one of the benefits of being, you know, having your own, being your own boss, and, uh, you know, I, I went riding. And I'm glad I did because I got out there and started thinking about this message. And it was when this message started being birthed in my spirit. And I was going down the road and people probably thought I was out of my mind because I was going down the road yelling as loud as I could yell in tongues, praying in tongues. I was so excited I was about to get up on that Harley and start riding it like this. I mean... I was getting worked up. I was standing up on that. Woo! 
I mean, this thing started burning inside of me, just igniting inside of me. And all of a sudden, I come upon this, I, I saw up, up the road, I saw this motor, motorcycle laying on the side, and I thought, what is that? And I get up there, and this guy's getting up, and he parked on the side of the road, and he didn't realize it went downhill like this. And he put the kickstand down, got off the bike, and then, and then him and the bike, he went to step down. Well, there was nothing there, so him and the bike just went down. And the time I got, got up there, he was trying to get up. And, of course, like all of us men are, you know, our pride's hurt. I, I, I parked my bike, ran over there, and, and said, hang on, hang on, I'll help, you, I'll help you get it up. And the first thing he said was, did you see me go down? I said, no, I didn't. I said, I, I just saw you trying to get up. That's important. Amen. And I said, here, let me help you. And so we got the bike up. I got him back on the bike, and I'm looking at him thinking, man, this guy is in his 80s, and he's out here riding this brand-new Harley. And, and I just wanted to hug him, you know, and say, say come on, buddy. Woo! You know. Live on. <laughs> and then I, after I got him back on his bike and, and he took off, I went walking back across the road to mine. And, and, and this, this, you know, thought from the devil came to me. And I thought, that's, that's my future. <laughs> that's me in a few years. I hope there's somebody going to show up and help me pick my bike up because I'm still going to be riding. But, you know, that our life, it just keeps going. We, we, have to, we look at it and we say, okay, what is my life going to be? It's going to be light. It's going to be inheritance. If we'll stop gazing at the windows that are lit up and get brave enough to go in the house, Apostle Paul, sitting in the house, blind, shook, not knowing exactly what happened. He saw the light. He felt the light. He experienced God, but he still didn't understand and know. Now there was a certain disciple in verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. I want to be like this guy. I mean, I, I want to be like this guy. I want God to be able to just say, Tim, go down to 32nd and Woodward. I don't know where that would come up. But, and go in the house at so-and-so. And, you know, I want to be that guy. So the Lord said to him, arise. And go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Woo. Boy, God knows where we're at. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Anna. Uh, don't you just love how God coordinates stuff? You know, he's, he's appearing to Ananias in a vision and saying, go down there because I'm showing Saul a vision of you coming. I love that. He has seen a man named Ananias, he even knew the name, coming in and putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. Light was doing him no good. 
until he received his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saint in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Now, I identify Ananias there. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he has chosen a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show you how many things that he must suffer. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hand, hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, and then it says, and immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. See, Paul went from looking in the windows and seeing the light, experiencing the light, being shook by the light, having an encounter with God, and now all of a sudden he has went in and sat down at the table and began to realize what was in the house, and now he's preaching what's in the house, not just about the light, but what's in the house. Hallelujah. Light, life, and glory. See, we've been preaching on from John chapter 15 about abiding in the vine. If I'm and verse seven, if I abide in, the, in in Him and He abides in me and my, His words abide in me, then I can ask what I will and it shall be done. But the problem is, we're gazing upon the wrong thing, and that's why our desires are always carnal. When God says, ask what you will and it shall be done, what we've been gazing at is what comes up. Amen. If we've been gazing at the things of God, that's what immediately comes up. And God's showing us. God's, God's teaching us. Amen. God's revealing to us that he means business. And if we could just understand that whatever we desire, if he abides in us and, and his word, if we abide in him and his word abides in us, we can ask what we will and it shall be done. Wow. What if we really got a hold of that? What if we got inside the house and began to realize what all was in the house and saying, Lord, that's what I want. That's what I want. What a desire. Amen. God showed this to me in a very real way here a while back. I was at work. Got a big, long diesel truck. Had it for about 16, 17 years. Got close to 300,000 miles on it. Still running. But it's long, and it's big, and I'm a little tired of shifting. It's got a six-speed standard, and I've been shifting that thing for like 18 years. And, and when I get in tight situations at work, it's really hard to maneuver or parking lots and stuff. And, you know, this, none of that matters because that's just picky stuff. But I was at work. Now, listen to me. 
God revealed something to me that really shook me. I was at work, and I was trying to maneuver this truck into a place around some boats and stuff, and I had to carry all my tools in the cab, and it was just packed with stuff. And it was a crew cab, just packed. And, and you know, that's just a little frustration. It doesn't really matter. And I was at work. I was backing that thing around, and I stopped, and I said, God, I need a smaller truck with an automatic transmission, a bed cover so I can put my tools in the, in the bed and then I'll get wet, and I want it loaded. That's what I said. I just blurted that out. Silliness, because I had a truck. But that just come out of me. Two weeks later, some people walked up to me, started talking about their truck, and all of a sudden handed a key to me. And I said, I said, what are you doing? They said, it's your truck. I said, no, it ain't. They said, yeah, it is. I said, God told us to give this truck to you. I was just standing there speechless. I was like, I don't do well in situations like that, you know? I, I'm, I am awkward in situations like that. It's like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. It's like, everything in me was saying, no, you can't do this. I had, no, no, you know. And I remembered what I'd said because I said it once and forgot about it. I remembered what I said. I got this key, started looking this truck over. It was a smaller truck with an automatic transmission with a really nice bed cover loaded. Even had the kind of wheels I like on it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And every day since then, I've been saying, thank you, God, for this truck. It's not because I needed another truck. Why I've been saying, thank you, God, for this truck, I appreciate it. But every day, I've been realizing that God was trying to get something across to me. He was trying to get me to understand that whatever I ask in prayer, if I believe that I receive it, I can have it. And since then, God's been saying, what is it that you're looking at? What do you really want? I've been inside the house. I've been taking inventory inside the house for quite a while. I have sit at the table and ate, and I've been looking around at all the stuff that my daddy has that I'm an inheritor of, and I've been looking at it thinking, wow, that's nice, that's nice, that's nice. But you know what? Lately, I've been saying, I, God, I want your presence. I want your glory. I want miracles. I want healing. I want people to be delivered and saved. I want the power of God displayed and manifest. Why? Because that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm gazing at. And he said, if you abide in me, if I abide in you, my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done. And I've been looking 
looking at that truck and saying, God, you showed me in a material way that your word is powerful. Now I want to see the inheritance of the Son and saints of light manifest. I want your light to shine and reflect on what's in the house. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to gaze at what's in the house. Amen. I've walked into the Holy of Holies. Yesterday morning I was in here and I walked into the Holy of Holies and I was walking around this church saying, God, I want that. I want that. I want the manifestation of your glory. I, I want that. I want your light to shine so bright on what's inside the Holy of Holies that people can see it and go after it and say, that's what I want. I want miracles. I want people that are sick. I prayed over every sickness there is and said, God, I want to see it gone. I want to see it healed. I want to see people delivered from bondage and from alcohol and drugs and immorality. I want to see that because I have perceived it with the light. I see it in the house, and I'm in the house. And you said that I am an inheritor of what's in the house. Hallelujah. Glory. And the neat thing about it, God didn't say one of these days when I'm gone, you can have it. No. He said, when you come into the house, all things are possible to him who believes. And if you believe, if you believe, what's he saying? If you've seen it, if it's been illuminated to you, if you know that it exists and I have it, Ask for it, and you shall receive it. Stand with me today if you would. Hallelujah. Now, after God did that, he, he, did, twi he did that twice. Before, before this little incident, I was looking at tires on my truck, the big diesel truck, and, and they were bald, and I said, I said, God, I need more tires before winter. Just, I just blurt this stuff out. And within a week, I got a call and said, hey, there's, take your, drop your truck off, truck off by this tire shop. There's some new tires waiting for you. What was God trying to do? He was trying to say, you've been preaching about it. Now you're going to walk in it? And see, since then, I haven't went around going, hey, I want that car. I, hey, I, I want. No. You know Why? Because all of a sudden I begin to realize I've been looking at something far deeper than the material things of my life. I've been gazing. I've been gazing on the Holy of Holies. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the Father for the inheritance. Hallelujah. I prayed for 
a person here a couple years ago. And this really, this really excited me. It was, it was at work. I was down on the dock, and some people down there. There, he he began to share about his daughter back home in Texas had this autoimmune disorder that had that had come up and she lost the feeling in her arms and lost the feeling in her legs and she couldn't function and she was very sick. The doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. They couldn't help her. And he was telling me about that. My boss was, was there with me. The owner of the, of the marina was there with me. And I wasn't real sure where he was at. I want, you know, if he, you know, praying for people, I, I don't know. And he's sharing this with me and I just, I thought, God, you've got this. And I looked at my boss and I said, we're going we're gonna to pray with him. I said, come on. And I got us in a huddle. I said, come on. We got huddled up there. And we began to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. I, I began to rebuke that infirmity. Commanded to come out of her body in the name of Jesus, healing to be manifest in her body. And, and we prayed there. I, I didn't hold back. I didn't pray some weak anemic prayer just because people's there that I didn't know whether they would understand or not. I prayed the prayer of faith because that's what the Word of God tells us to do. I took authority over that thing in Jesus' name. And I got through praying, and, and the owner, owner of the marina starts saying, Whoa, I feel good about that. I feel good about that. Yeah, I feel good about that. That's all he could say. I feel good. And the man we was praying for, I didn't know what his, I talked to him and, and you know, he, he, I believe he's been peeking in the windows, but hadn't went in the house. And we prayed and he went, the next day he called his daughter and his daughter said, yeah, I'm feeling better. So I talked to him and he said, yeah, he, he told me, he said, hey, she said she's feeling better. But I lost all contact, didn't, didn't, didn't hear anything. And the other day, one of the managers at the marina told me, this man come up. And I said, I wonder how his daughter ever got. And one of the managers at the marina said, oh, she's, she's better. He said, matter of fact, she went to church and gave her life to the Lord. And God touched her life. And he said, she's actually a teacher in her church now. I didn't know that. And I said that to say this. I prayed one prayer almost three years ago and then forgot about it. God didn't forget about it. Angels kept working. Holy Spirit kept working. You get what I'm talking about? Don't think just because you haven't saw, seen something right now that it's not working. God doesn't forget about our prayers. He said, Ananias, go down there to Saul because he's praying. <laughs> Father, we receive right now. Lord, we step, we, we thank you for the light, but Lord, we're not going to just acknowledge the light now. We're going to step inside and see what the light is illuminating. We're going to see what the light is reflecting off of. Father, I thank you for the light. Hallelujah. But God, the light has come not to just show us the light. The light has come to show us what's in the house. 
And Father, I thank you that we receive the inheritance of the saints in light today by the power and authority.